We want to welcome you to the Bible teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church, where our desire is to honor God by faithful obedience to His Word. If you want to understand the Bible better, please continue to listen as Pastor Matt Postiff explains and applies the biblical text one verse at a time. You can reach us with questions or for more teaching audio and print material at our website, fbcaa.org. You can also watch our services live at fbcaa.org slash live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word. Okay, you've got your Bibles, I trust. You turn them to your New Testament. The first book in the New Testament, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. Good evening. It's good to see you tonight and to be here to look at the Word. We finished chapter 15, our exposition before, and uh, now we turn to chapter 16, and we're coming to a familiar theme, actually, a very familiar theme. It's uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees seeking a sign. Let me read these, the first four verses here. I, I chose a, a shorter text tonight just to kind of keep it a, a uh, self-contained little unit here. And it says, Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah, and he left them and departed. The scriptures, uh, last time I should say we encountered the Pharisees in the scriptures, uh, was in the beginning of chapter 15, and they were criticizing the Lord's disciples for, remember, not washing their hands before they ate. And in their way of thinking, this caused ceremonial defilement, but the Lord corrected their their thinking really on two counts. One was that defilement does not come from without, it comes from within. The depravity of the human heart is what brings the defilement around a, a a person's situation. And second, they placed more weight on the traditions than they did on God's word with the effect that they voided out God's word, which is a sad testimony. They took what they said and made it what they thought initially or maybe were taught initially was um, equivalent to or maybe just a little bit under the Bible. Here's the Bible. Here's their traditions. But they actually reversed it up and upside down like this. So the Bible went to second place. And this so often happens that... uh, The secondary authority eats up the first level authority and replaces it, and that's what had happened to them. Now they come to the Lord with yet another, what I'll call, exasperating situation, and the the title of the section here is A Sign Sought from Heaven. They were seeking signs, and the truth tonight is that, uh, as I saw it, that you want to be an expert in the things of God, not in the things of the world. Uh, There's other ways that we could kind of package this, I'm sure, but that's just one application that I thought, and I thought I'd bring it as the kind of take-home truth, if you will. The Scripture says that the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to test the Lord Jesus. They came testing Him. 
Now, they were not testing him really with a view toward validating his ministry. They were uh, testing him with the hope that what? He would fail. They would have something to accuse him of. They were putting God to the test in effect. You remember that phrase? In Matthew chapter 4, the Lord told Satan, you're not to put God to the test. When Satan said, you know, throw yourself down from here and, and see what happens. They were putting God to the test, something the Lord would not do himself, and yet they were doing it to him. The people of Israel had done this many times in the past. In Numbers 14, 22, the Bible tells us that, and this is God speaking, he said, these 10 times you have tested me. And that is, they've complained and murmured and about the food provisions, about the water, about Moses' leadership, about his marrying a woman, uh, taking a wife, and, and all these things. They tested, uh, put the Lord to the test. Uh, these particular leaders here, or their class of, class of leaders, if you will, had done this before. We don't know their personal names. Uh, the, the names of the guilty have been... Uh, what, what do they say? Have been changed to protect the evil. Uh, that's not how they usually say it. But in Matthew twelve thirty eight, listen to this. We were just here not too long ago. Um, in fact, in December, early December, so that would make it uh, February, about three months ago or so. Um, it says in Matthew twelve thirty eight. then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then he went on to talk about the men of Nineveh and the queen of the south who rise up against them in judgment. So they had asked this before. Show us a sign. Now, it was valid for the people of Israel to test the prophets, as indicated in Deuteronomy 13. That entire chapter, we don't have time to go there tonight, but the entire chapter is about testing the prophets to see if they're real. Now, if they, if they teach you to go after other gods, if they uh, teach you stuff against God's word, then Paul said, or Paul, then Moses said, your hand is to be the first one to put them out, put them to death, because they are trying to get you to stumble into sin. And then in Deuteronomy 18.22, the Lord told uh, Moses to tell the people, look, if somebody comes along and, and says something's from the Lord presumptuously, or they uh, make a sign, uh, say a sign, and it does not come to pass, then you don't fear them. You don't fear them. Now, what does that mean? If, if somebody is a prophet of God, you do fear them. But in this case, in Deuteronomy 18.22, he's saying you don't fear them. So there, there is a, a notion that you're, you're, you're examining what the prophet says. Um, you know, l don't despise prophecies, Paul says, but accept that which is good and reject that which is evil. So if they were, you know, giving a teaching that supports a false god or if Jesus was or if their signs did not come to pass, then they're not from the true God. We are called by God to test the spirits, 1 John 4, verse 1, test the spirits to see if they're from God, if it's a person, a teacher, an angel, 
who is from God. We know that by the fact that they confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. So many people confess Jesus, quote, but not the Jesus who came in the flesh, the one that existed in heaven before and came down, right? They talk about Jesus as if he's a, you know, a man, a teacher, a prophet, or whatever, but not the one who came down from heaven and, and ascended back into heaven. John says that's the test to know if somebody really is of God. They agree that Christ existed before he came, then he came, you know, lived, died for our sins, rose again, then he left. If the Spirit does not acknowledge Jesus, this person and his work uh, coming from heaven, etc., then that person is not from God. And that's what John says, plain, plain old fact of the matter, just uh, matter-of-factly, I should say. He just puts it out there. So the Pharisees wanted a sign. They wanted one even though they were unbelieving. You see that? The Pharisees and Sadducees came testing him, asking him that he would show them a sign from heaven. In fact, it wasn't just that they were unbelieving that they asked a sign. It was because of their unbelief they came testing him, asking him for this sign. They did not accept the Lord's person, nor multiple testimonies about him from John the Baptist. I mean, John the Baptist said, look, that's the one. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I saw the dove from heaven lighting upon him uh, when, he, when he was baptized. He does, they didn't accept the testimony of God the Father. A voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then the Mount of Transfiguration, the same. Then you have Moses and the rest of the scriptures. Uh, John, Jesus said in Luke 24, they testify of me. John chapter 5, they testify of me. And of course, Jesus works that he had already done. And by the way, if they'd looked into his birth records a little bit, asked his mom and dad, where did he come from? How did his birth, if they cared to do that, they would have found, oh, he actually doesn't hail from Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem, Judah. And that fits the Micah prophecy. They could have put that all together. Why did they want a sign when they already had seen so many signs? It's it's. It is a bit inexplicable uh, in a way. The hardness of their hearts. Um, don't turn there, but listen to John twelve thirty seven. But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him, speaking of the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, God, the Son. So they, they just, even though he did so many signs, they still wanted more signs and they weren't going to believe those signs. Now notice they ask a sign from heaven, not necessarily in the heavens. I mean, I don't think they were necessarily asking for, you know, the Lord to produce a comet up there or some supernova or something like that, but something they wanted big, something big, as if raising a man from the dead isn't big, or healing a leper, casting out demons, or feeding 5,000. 
those, all, those are all in, classed in the big category in my mind, um, but I have the advantage of the help of the Spirit of God to overcome the natural man's sin and dullness of mind. Have you ever thought, you know, I just wish God would give me a sign? I just need a sign from God. Or, or this, ha- this is how people say it sometimes. They say, God will make it clear. He'll give me a sign. He'll give me a sign. Whether it's seeking guidance on some perplexing question or some provision that you wish you had or some problem, perhaps you're asking for a sign from heaven yourself. God, show me. Do you really mean that you'll believe God more if he gives you a sign like that? Or at all, that you'll believe him at all? Um, if he answers your request, you know, the way that you want. Have you considered perhaps that God already may have given you what you require to meet that need that you have and you're just not recognizing it? I think that's something worthy of our thoughts. A sign. A sign. Maybe you don't need anything else. Maybe you just need to open your eyeballs, spiritually speaking, to what's there already. Maybe in the Bible, maybe in the counsel that people are talking to you about, uh, maybe in the circumstances, you know, I don't know, the doors are closed or the doors are open or whatever, who knows. You're, you're, you have to apply what, you, what you're learning here, but um, we can't just be asking God, you know, put out the fleece kind of thing and, and ask him for a sign. Well, they wanted a sign from heaven, and instead they got a rebuke from heaven. <laughs> they got a rebuke uh, from heaven's own son. Let me remind you that lest you and I both miss the obvious, the first thing that you need to remember is that Jesus himself is a sign. Jesus himself is a sign. God told Ahaz, ask a sign. And he said, I won't ask a sign. So God said, I'll give you a sign. I'll give you a sign. A virgin will conceive and bear a son. That's a sign. The fact that Jesus existed, the fact that he over, uh, uh, you know, kind of escaped, if you will, through the, the plotting of Herod to kill him when he was a baby and had gotten to this point in his life and, and all of that, he was a sign. They were looking at a real live sign from heaven. The Jews were looking all over, but the signs were all around them, in fact, standing in their midst. So the Lord admonished them, if you look at verse number two, and he said, basically, you know, you know how to tell the weather, but you don't know how to see the obvious in the spiritual realm. You know, he admonished them because they knew how to predict the weather to a fair degree. Get the pun? Somebody got it. A reddish evening uh, portended the, the fair weather for the next day. On the other hand, if in the morning the sky uh, did not look good, that is, it had a reddish gloom to it, uh, then they would say, you know, it looks like it's going to be bad weather today. Now, I'm not familiar with the weather, and I haven't tried to correlate this with my own observations of weather here in Michigan, but. You know, we have similar things. If you are in the middle of December, January, February, and you look out in the late afternoon and you see the sky is as clear as a bell, you know it's going to be cold that night, right? No blanket over us with the clouds. 
Um, certain morning, uh, certain mornings in the dog days of summer, have you ever done this, especially if you work outdoors, you wake up in, the, in July and August and in the morning it's piping hot already, man, you know it's going to be a scorcher, you know, you know that. Now this is not all very scientific, we might say, but it has some, you know, these things, observations have some ability to make helpful predictions, but the Jewish leaders did not know how to discern the signs of the times. Their ability to sense what was going on in the world around them was even worse than their weather predicting abilities. I mean, they didn't have barometric pressure and satellite imagery and radar and all that sort of stuff, man. Um, but they didn't have any sense at all about what was going on in the world around them. Here's the thing. People spend more time figuring out the weather and worrying about the weather, which, by the way, you can't do anything about, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, than what's happening in the world or than what's happening in the spiritual realm. They know meteorology better than the Bible. They know their traditions better than the Word of God. They care more about their being right than obeying God. That's the Pharisees. They're hypocrites. The Lord called them hypocrites because they claim before the people of Israel to know the things of God, yet they only know the weather, if that. They do not know the things of God. They, they did not know Jesus came from Nazareth. They didn't see that he was a per perfect fulfillment of all the prophetic scriptures about the Messiah. They did not believe the signs that he had already done. They were not tuned into the timing of Daniel 9's prophecy, the very time that the prophecy, rather, that predicted the time that the Lord would come was right around their generation. Listen to Luke chapter 19 and verse 42. As he drew near to the city of Jerusalem, he wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. I believe that Daniel's prophecy brings the timeline right up to when the Messiah is to be cut off, right to that very time in which the Lord was there in Jerusalem. They didn't know any of that. I mean, how many miracles can somebody do and you don't get it? The Lord continues his rebuke by calling the present leadership and those favorable in that generation to them a wicked and adulterous generation, verse 4. Okay, they're evil through and through, perhaps physically adulterous, certainly spiritually adulterous, departing from the living God. And so they didn't deserve any signs. God will give new revelation or he'll give existing revelation, the understanding of it to someone who believes. If you believe, you'll get more. If you disbelieve, you'll get less. That's the danger. Listen, if you are not believing the things of God, he's going to take away even that which you have. And the progress to which you have apparently made, as you reject him and his instructions for you and his directions for you, he's going to whittle away and just you're going to just go down, 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 down. You've got to be careful about that. People who have achieved evidently great heights of spiritual maturity have just in later years, dropped off. And it's a sad testimony to see that. The Lord is only going to give them one sign, that of Jonah the prophet. He explained it before. 
as Jonah was three days and three nights in the fish, so the Son of Man would be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. I wondered, by the way, when I looked at this again this time, I think probably easy for us to guess that, well, if, he was, if he's in the, Jonah's in the fish, the Lord's in the heart of the earth, that just means that he's in the tomb. Maybe there was more to it than going to the tomb. Where did his soul go? Where did his spirit go? Well, it could have been like what Peter indicates, that he went to preach to the souls that were in, in, uh, in Hades, as it were, to preach that their captivity was complete, that their doom was sealed, that his work was done. That's a little bit of speculation just because it's, to- it's not detailed for us in great, with great revelation, but I just wonder. He's in the heart of the earth. But in any case, the point is, that's the sign that they were going to have. And even that, they tried to work against and upend and lie about and well, the, the soldiers, we slept while they, the disciples came and took his body away and blah, blah, blah. So they, they did whatever they could. There's always a way for sinful humanity to, to, to uh, reason away the things of God or whatever things they want. People are very clever that way. They, they say the most dumb things to try to, to undo the most obvious truths. Well, the one sign, Jesus was, I called it, righteously exasperated with them, righteously exasperated. They had asked before, now again, the same thing. They refused to believe under the sway of any information provided in the circumstances of Jesus' life. And Jesus said in Luke 16, he said, look, they're not going to believe even if one rises from the dead. This sign is basically that sign. You know, Jesus will go and he'll come back and they're not going to believe. You know, as, as, as hard as the residents of Hades, like the rich man that was there, find that to believe, they're there because that was their portion in this life as well. They did not believe when it was given to them in, uh, just on a platter for them. Hard-hearted unbelief here, as I conclude, is shown in the lives of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Make sure, make sure, make sure that you don't have any scraps of hard-hearted unbelief in your life either because it's going to lead to major problems. Now, there's also a lesson not just in avoiding the example of the Pharisees, but more positively in how the Lord answers their inquiry. He rebukes them for being focused on the wrong things. How we could develop this. You know, you know the, you know, the sun, the skies, the, 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 at night, what the weather's going to be tomorrow. You've got that all, you know, you think, down, as weak as their meteorology was. How often we too are wrongly focused on the things of the world, not on the things of Jesus. Do you know your meteorology better than you know your Bible? Do you know your sports statistics better than your minor prophets? Roland McCune used to say it from his, from his pulpit in the classroom. How, do you, how, how are your minor prophets coming? You know, you, know, you know this person and how much they make in the contract negotiations, and you know that you know, Michigan is an 11th seed and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, what about Micah? What about Malachi? How about Zechariah and Haggai and all those guys? Do you know anything about them? Um, and that's not just a call to, you know, like biblical book knowledge, but 
you know, we're concerned about all kinds of stuff except for the things of God. People are dying and they're being lost forever. And we just sugarcoat it or candy coat it or whatever and just, well, you know, just go on and live our lives. It's not a good deal. You know, the Lord says, hypocrites, you talk about knowing the times. All you're focused on is the climate. Climate, where they're going, is going to be too, much too hot, much hotter than it is in global warming. So don't be a hypocrite. Don't just know the, the weather, know the signs of the times. Know what Jesus has done for you, what he will do for you you trust in him. Get rid of those scraps of hard-hearted unbelief. Yeah, let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for this and help us to indeed know the signs of the times, not like we know, you know, crazy ideas of prophecy or conspiracies of this or that, but that we know what you're doing in this world, that we know what our role is, that we know what we're supposed to be doing. It's very plainly laid out for us in the Bible to glorify you by obeying your word, by making disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all things that you've taught us. Lord, this is what you can do. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen.